everybody, it's time to roll for intent with the creator's corner. And it's been a hot minute. We have been up to our eyeballs and stuff. We This place is dusty. Yeah, I mean, between stuff going on with a regular show and just our lives kind of being crazy right now, um, kind of had to take a back seat on doing the creator's corner stuff for a little bit. But we're back and we got other stuff planned in the uh, in the can, the or not in the can, but in the hopper, ready to go. Uh, so I'm excited to to get some more of these recorded and get some more regular releases going again. Yeah, we've been having a little little issues getting guests lined up, and I do want to apologize to the family of whoever that was in the corner. It's been so long, I forgot. We didn't let them out. That's going to be a while before the smell is gone. I, I yeah, know I'm gonna have that. to rip up the carpet, but you know. I got to run it somewhere. It happens. Yeah. Um, hey, we just, yeah. it's a tax write off for a reason, man. Exactly right. I mean, that's why we have the extra carpet. <laughs> so, what are we going to be looking at today, Trevor? So, Paizo has been generous enough to send us a copy of Firebrands, which, while I know at the time of release, this has been out for a couple of weeks already. I had this a couple of weeks before um, it came out, but I wasn't given an actual like embargo date for it. Um, and we just didn't have time to do it, but we have to get this done. I don't want a Papa Paizo to yell at me next time I ask him for a review sample of something because I didn't do and the fire like, review. Hey, you didn't review the last thing. Exactly. Said. Right. Um, now that's not to say that this isn't worth the review. Um, this isn't 100% like my jam, but I really love dense lore books. It's one of the things I love about Paizo's books is, while they got great content, the lore content is fantastic, and there's something for everyone. Even somebody like me that is like a voracious order Muppet, and the chaos inherent to the firebrands just isn't my thing. <laughs> I'm a These chaos Muppet, are like, so I... They're like half a step above murder hobos at this point. Yeah, I will definitely say, I, as most people that listen to our shows know, I am... You know, not up on my Galarian lore. Galarian's never particularly been my jam. Love Pathfinder 2, just never got into Galarian. And while this is, of course, the entire story of the Firebrands, and if you are into that, this is definitely going to be your thing. I always look at this as, okay, what value does this have to people like me that, you know, are not into Galarian yet, you know, want to support the company that makes the game we all love? And there is a lot of very rich NPCs, very cool art. Uh, we're going to dive into a bunch of feats and equipment and spells. There are a multitude of things that you can incorporate into your game. In fact, I loved the services section of you know spreading rumors and propaganda and all of that stuff was just really cool and i could see incorporating that into any kind of campaign honestly oh definitely that's one of those things that like established rules for that always felt like we really needed it and we didn't have it um, and i was really really pleased to see that services section in here um four little bits like that you know you, you get the stereotypical like oh he he pays the orphans in town to listen to things for him that's the type of things that you end up getting in here or like hiring local guides or places to hide things and it's neat i mean it's it's good mechanics that is wrapped in a lot of great lore and flavor 
Yeah, and uh, one of my home games right now, we actually have the players are in a situation. They literally have orphans that are creating this network of spying. And I'm like, oh, this is awesome. This is perfect for this. Please, sir, may I have some more information? There is a lot of great stuff. Oh, yes, yes. Very, very good. But I just feel the Oliver Twist thing is just it's done all the time. It's. I don't know. But that's literally what they were. They were like little thief beggar children. It's like on point. It's like it's true. It's true. I I think it's probably at my house. I literally hear that like at least once a week, if not more. (laughs) Fair, fair. So let's just jump right into this. I'm not going to get super crazy on the lore sections in this book because there is a lot. And just like the derisive people about Galarian lore will say it's a kitchen sink. This is absolutely a kitchen sink because it talks about revolutions of every stripe and size from every corner of Galarian. And I could sit on here for two hours and give you little snippets of each of them and still not be done with it. Why don't you give the listeners just a a brief rundown of what the firebrands are for people like me that really, you know, knew nothing going into this. Absolutely. Just a a quick, quick, tiny overview, as it were. So the firebrands kind of all go all the way back to um, the ideas that a firebrand is a spark revolution. Um, And the initial ones are like an an actual revolt on a on a plantation. and that fire marked the spark of a specific uh, revolution. I think it's uh, the Vidric Revolution in an area that Milwaukee expands. And that revolt was just a small revolt, and it spread throughout the Milwaukee expanse. And then those agents ended up going into Cheliax and different parts of Avistan, and eventually became kind of a more or less Avistan-wide or really Galarian-wide network of semi-connected revolutionary cells. Now, this is something that you wouldn't probably actually see like this because groups like that have different goals and they might be loosely, you know, we're going to throw off the chains of oppression. But this is fantastic for Galarian because we all know that your characters might be in Mwangi uh, this month and then in three months they're going to be in Ustalov or something, right? So being able to have that common undercurrent um, of revolution uh, revolutionary uh, individuals that you can tap in for your stories is fantastic. Um, and Paizo's done a really good job for that uh, throughout Galarian um, and throughout the various regions where you have uh, groups that are associated with the region but have ties to other groups that are similar in other regions. So, like, if you want to have a character that's part of a thieves' guild or part of revolutionaries or part of, like, a a mage college or something, things like that exist everywhere, and they're associated with one another. Uh, So you can use this lore to associate a character from a different region in the world, why they're, you know, grew up in Tianxia, but they're in the Sodden lands, and they're still revolutionaries, right? Uh, and I rambled big time there, and I understand that I rambled big time there, but there's a lot of rambling going on in this book uh, because it goes all over the place from the various types of revolutions and revolutionaries and the individuals involved in these revolutions. This book, 
I don't want to say it grasps at straws to make connections, but the connections that are going all over the place, it looks like the freaking Pepe Silva episode of It's Always Sunny in Philadelphia. There's just little threads going all <laughs> over the freaking place. Well, thank you for that. I think that probably is helpful for some of our listeners. The other half is like, what is he saying? Do you have a stroke? <laughs> yeah, well, what's he talking about? <laughs> So uh, when we get to the player section here of, you know, actual options for your character, you are greeted with a handful of actually pretty decent backgrounds. I do enjoy Paizo's uh, ability to keep generating these backgrounds that are fun, flavorful, and relevant to lots of different play styles. And they even had a pretty... Some good rare backgrounds that I thought were actually very fun that I could see being incorporated into any campaign. In fact, I would say that neither of the two rare backgrounds are really even specific to the firebrands in any way, shape or form. They're just very interesting rare backgrounds. I mean, I really think the only one that's specific to firebrands is the firebrand follower because the rest of them are just like, you know, you are either working for an organization or you are chaotic something right you're a free spirit or you know uh you're a thrill seeker is another background unremarkable is a background which is actually really cool i really like the unremarkable background um and that really fits with a way that i like to build characters it's like you know there's some cool stuff that you can talk about in the mundaneness of everyday life that you know not every backstory has to be my parents were killed by orcs that ate my dog <laughs> you know <laughs> yeah i grew up on a farm and i had a good home life and i just decided one day let's see the world you know by a noble i'm a noble and i have four older brothers so i know i'm not getting anything and i have no responsibilities so out adventuring i go <laughs> the hans of the southern isles storyline yep exactly <laughs> Our rare backgrounds here, we have one called Beast Blessed, which is very amusing. You've once freed a magical beast from captivity, and basically it bestowed a blessing upon you. So you get your very typical choose two ability boost, one dexterity or wisdom, the other is free, you're trained in survival, but you get a once per day reaction called Bestial Clarity. And if you fail a saving throw versus a enchantment effect, you can reroll that with a plus two circumstance bonus and you must use the new result. This is a fortune effect. And the other is called Dauntless. So with this one, you are basically once per day when you are frightened and you're about to make a check. You can lean into the fear and you are allowed to roll the triggering check twice and take the higher result. And this is a fortune effect. I love fortune effects. I mean, I really don't think there's. Yeah, I actually like that we're seeing more of, more of them because it's like with the hero point, you're like, oh, this is a fortune effect. It, like you can only get one fortune effect on this particular thing. Well, that didn't matter except for true strike in the, the beginning. But now we're actually starting to see more exactly. of these. Exactly. Now, now I do have a question for you, and this is completely off topic. Do you feel better rolling one dice and then another or rolling two dice at the same time? I feel like whenever I roll two dice at the same time, one of them is really good. It's it, but if when I roll one at a time, like, oh, that one sucks. So I'm going to roll again. That one also sucks. I don't know what As it is. As a I just... GM and a showrunner, <laughs> I love the suspense of one after the other. Yeah. As oh, a player, no, I, I prefer I two at once. Yeah. <laughs> 
I feel like the other one's just snake bit. As soon as you roll the first one, you just know the second one's going to be worse. Like you roll a natural one on the first one, you know you're going to roll a natural one on the second one. You just, yeah, that fears right there. Oh, yeah. In all the games I run, the joke is you use the hero point. That number is going to be within two of the original number that you rolled. (laughs) My very heroic action of changing a four into a two. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) (laughs) So moving along, we have a quite a good list of feats. And I'm going to say I love these feats. They put a lot of really cool thought and effort into these like slippery prey a second level feat trained in acrobatics or athletics and what it allows you to do is basically when you make escape attempts using either athletics or acrobatics it essentially becomes agile instead of minus five minus ten you're at minus four minus eight and then if you're master it becomes minus three minus six So this is something that's really cool when you're stuck and you're pinned or something like that, that, you know, after you failed that first one, you kind of feel like, well, hell, now I I have to get a 20 on my next one or it's not going to matter. So I feel this is a little bit more to help you out. So it's not so, you know, so deadly for your character to fail that first one. And as a second level feat, I actually thought it was really cool for characters that get up in there and want to do that grappling this is a fantastic one for like a, a swashbuckler or a rogue or something that is in danger of just getting grabbed and throttled by a creature, right? You, you want to get away. It's like uh, poor man's freedom of movement. I dig it. The one that's listed right after this is one of my favorite ones in here, the Deverin's Dazzling Diversion. Um, it allows you to, whenever you attempt a feint, You add something uh, ostentatious or dazzling or shiny to it. And when you successfully faint, uh, the creature that you successfully fainted against is dazzled until the end of your turn. Just that little extra to be able to jump in, make a hit and get out or or jump in, faint, make your hit, make it less likely that they could maybe hit you on a uh, uh, as you flee maybe from a uh, uh, attack of opportunity. I think it's really neat. And if you crit succeed, they're dazzled until the start of your next turn. So it lasts through their turn as well. I like it. I think it's cool. And I like that, um, you know, taking a feat to kind of add bolt-ons to some of your other abilities that you have is really, you know, that's kind of how feats work anyways, to some degree. But in this book, we're, we're starting to see, you know, specifically, like fleeing diversion it you have to be an expert in deception if you critically succeed on a create distraction against a majority of creatures at least half of the creatures you can then use a basically a reaction to hide sneak or step so this is just kind of a really cool thing that allows you to capitalize on things that you're building towards like getting these strengths and then picking up these other little feats that are like oh i can also do this i think it's a really fun concept and you know as the game goes on i love seeing these feats that really let you dive into creating characters that are you know more to how you envision your character and just it's great to see some of these things kind of emerging oh yeah definitely um And I like a lot of these are high on performance, like give more 
stuff the performance skill. It does not do enough stuff unless you're a bard. I love that there's a lot of extra feats, like feats that add performance checks on as riders to other actions. So like ostentatious reload, it's a gunslinger feat um, that you can essentially juggle two weapons and do a performance check to see if you can interact to reload the firearms. So like it's an easy DC. If you have thrown some points into performance, it's a one action dual weapon reload that you're probably going to succeed if you've invested any points at all into performance. That's fantastic. If it's what's the, what's the gunslinger that really likes to have a high, uh, high charisma. I forget which one it is, but there's the one that does a lot of fainting. So they have a lot of, they want a higher charisma and want more into face skills. Well, I know the pistolero does intimidation. Pistolero who also wants a good, too. good charisma. Uh, they did something in this book that was actually really cool. And you and I were both talking about this a little before we started the recording. There are no actual new archetypes in this book, but what they did do is they created a list of feats. And what they did was they took 13 already existing archetypes and they added these new feats as options that you can pick for these archetypes. And what we were talking about before is it's really cool because what they did with some of them is filled the gap to where these archetypes didn't have anything for you to select. So if you're using free archetype, you don't have to worry so much about the, oh, I, I have this empty level. What do I do? So. Very cool concept, and I hope we see more of this. This was actually really, really cool. Something else that they did that I, that I really like in this um, is that they gave some skill archetype feats to a few of these archetypes that are harder to get out of before you hit level six, um, like uh, Dandy um, got one of those, uh, got a level five feat. So did Pirate, got a level five feet. Um, that makes it easier if you want to grab an archetype just for the sake of flavor or just to pick up a little bit of extra. You can get in and get out quicker and get to something that's mechanical or get something else that you want for flavor. Because to me, a lot of the options in this book aren't like mechanically amazingly powerful, but they're just a little bit extra that differentiates the build of your character just enough that you can RP into that sort of stuff. Like there is so much RP flavor built into a lot of these because most of these feats go towards the dandy dedication and the celebrity dedication. And I can't imagine two archetypes that have more RP potential than those (laughs) two. I was going to say, I was going to let you explain your favorite feat. I know you love this one. They added a level 14 feat uh, for Alter Ego and Vigilante, um, which to me are two really, really fun archetypes that don't have enough stuff going on for them to make it worth putting into. It's called It Was Me All Along, which is great, number one. Um, (laughs) But you discard whatever disguise you have dramatically uh, and attempt a deception check to faint somebody, to do a faint against somebody within 30 feet. And if you succeed, you roll twice and get the better uh, result on your first attack roll. It's, it's a fortune effect. Like we said, we like having these new fortune effects. Uh, but I love that. Like, that's not mechanically superior, really, in any ways. Yes, it's kind of cool to be able to get a fortune effect on your attack roll. But, you know, 
It was me, your father's mother's boyfriend's roommate. Oh my god. So great. I think it's cool. Um, and there's a lot of silly things like that. Uh, level 12, it's called Acknowledge Fan, where you essentially tell your <laughs> enemy, oh, you know me? You want my autograph? Here, have my autograph. That's essentially what you're doing. I was really sad that this did not get added also to the Gladiator. It is for the celebrity and uh, mesmerizing game. No, that's no. What is that? That's yeah, the no. prerequisite. It, mesmerizing. Yeah, this is sweet. yeah, this is for the, just the celebrity. But I was looking at that one. And I was like, oh, this would have been great for Gladiator too. Yeah. So like, you choose somebody you can see, uh, and can acknowledge you and they attempt a will save against either your class dc or spell dc right which is huge because there are certain classes that their class dc is outsized thaumaturge i'm looking at you your class dc <laughs> runs ahead of literally everybody so anything that you can get that runs against your class dc is amazing if they uh succeed against that check they're stunned on a success they are stunned one Big deal to me. Uh, if they fail, they're stunned too. If they crit fail, they are paralyzed until the end of your next turn as they are apoplectic and in shock at seeing their favorite celebrity that you've decided you're going to RP as. Wait, you're, and this does not have guy. the incapacitation trait. Nope, that's another <laughs> fantastic. It is enchantment. It's, it does have the enchantment trait. And it's mental and visual. So, like, you can't do this against something mindless. You can't do something this against something that can't see you. But the lack of incapacitation trait on a paralyze effect is really cool and is fantastic thematically for the celebrity. I really like it. And this section is full of super high flavor feats. And I love it. It's so neat. For somebody <laughs> that likes to RP and chew scenery while they play, these are great. Hook them. Hook them. It's great. Okay, there's a level. I, I got to go on this one just because it's really neat. Because <laughs> I really like this one because it's something that we did in our show, like episode two or something like that, where we had Yosef. He used a spike chain to swing across something, right? So this is for pirates, which great. Pirates need more feats. Um, a rope is within your reach, or you have a rope or grappling hook in your hand, and you take hold of a nearby rope throw it or grapple something at a distance you swing up to twice your speed and if you move, move end your movement next to an enemy you get to attempt an athletics check to grapple them and tie them in the rope yes thank you i love it <laughs> so good uh, there's so many yeah, there's no, a public yeah. execution feat for assassins you can be like run out into a crowd and be like, no, you're going to die now in front of everybody. And you try a will save against everybody around them. And if they fail the will save, they are incapable of helping you. Like they get the whole like bystander effect. Nobody will help them and you can just kill them. It's, it's great. I love it. I'm sorry. <laughs> I'm way too excited about these. I wasn't super excited when we started. I'm like, we're going to talk about this book tonight. Oh, okay, cool. And then I started thinking more about RP potential for these feats. I just love it. And now we'll move on to everyone's favorite craped crusader section, the equipment section. I mean, this just looks like a, a list of Batman stuff right it off does. of the, 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 the fantasy role-playing Batman that we have a concealment coin, poison ring, quick change outfit, repelling kit, scroll belt, and the wrist grappler. And the wrist, wrist grappler, gra grappler is so cool. 
I yeah, love that is. thing. It allows you to um, essentially shoot a grappling hook. It's the grappling gun from Guns and Gears, but it attaches to your wrist. That's it. Um, the difference between the clockwork one and the non-clockwork one is reloading the clockwork one only takes three actions and reloading the standard one takes a minute. And presumably you're dragging along a cord <laughs> while you wait to reload it when it's not the clockwork one. I think it's cool. But yes, it's very Batman. Yeah, there's some pretty cool stuff in here. Yeah, the eye catcher is pretty cool. It's a weapon attachment, which is something that's relatively new. The weapon adjustment. And uh, it's like a tassel or reflective basket hilt or something you put on your weapon that makes it a little bit more unwieldy, increases bulk by one, and you get a minus one penalty to damage rolls, which to me, whatever. Uh, But you get a plus one bonus on deception checks to faint. That is awesome. I love that. It's an item bonus to faint, though. It's so good. I really love the armored cloak. It is a piece of armor. It is light armor. I actually, design space-wise, I super wish they had technically made this unarmored. I thought it would be really cool option for characters that do not get armor because this is a, a very simple item. It is a plus one AC bonus, dex cap plus three, check penalty minus one, strength requirement of 12. It has the comfort and flexible trait. So it's not like it's, you know, it's doing anything super special, but I just love this as a piece of equipment. And if they had allowed this to be something cool for spellcasters, for sorcerers and wizards, that would have just I would have loved this so much more. It's cool as it is, but I definitely think it would have been it wouldn't have been overpowered in my estimation. And I think it would have been so awesome to do something like that. For Honestly, those groups. I think it's warranted for it to be. um warranted for it to be unarmored and let me tell you why it is the padded armor but worse it's what it is it's padded armor but worse it has a higher strength requirement it has a higher check penalty it is flexible right which the padded armor is not um so you don't apply your checks to like dex your penalty to dex checks right um but it's more expensive it has uh, a higher check penalty it has a higher weight requirement I think that you could easily get away with calling this unarmored because of those minuses and you're not going to run into any trouble at all. I, I think if I was I think if I was ruling this and somebody asked me, hey, can I use my unarmed unarmored proficiency for this? I absolutely would allow it. Yeah, I would I would do the same thing. Like if I had a player that said, hey, can I take an armored cloak? I'd be like, yeah, absolutely. I don't see an issue with this. But yeah, like you said, it is literally the worst armor in the game, but it's still cool to be able to give your other characters that have no armor just a little bit of a bump. Let's face it. You and I are both GMs. You know that when you want to hit the spellcaster, you're going to hit the spellcaster. You're going to hit the spellcaster, absolutely. (laughs) (laughs) So there's one thing I don't quite understand in, in the list of items. Like, I know that we're going for the stuff is like super thematic and cool, right? Like the armored cloak and the wrist launcher and the poison ring. Um, which wrist launcher is like a freehand dart shooter. Actually, it's really cool. I, I love that item. I was, I thought it was very, very awesome. What's the point of the scroll belt, Christian? You know, I looked that over and I'm assuming, even though it doesn't say it, that you can cast a spell from the scroll belt. Like you don't have to spend the action to get it, but it it doesn't say that. It says you have to take the belt off. 
Let's describe a new scroll onto it. Are, are you sure? You can't. Oh, no, right here. You can't cast a spell from the belt while wearing it. You must remove no the point. belt with an interaction. Why, okay, I mean, yeah, it's cool, you know, no. but like, like, you're Is like, it? hold on a second. <laughs> <laughs> it's like the, you know, it's like they whip it out and they look all cool. It's somehow cooler than uh, pulling out a scroll. But all I have to say is, Paizo, bring back the spring-loaded scroll sheath. Make it expensive or something, but make it like a freaking free action to get a scroll out. Make it expensive. Make it so that it takes a ton of time to reload. Make it an invested item, something. But give some love to those people that like scrolls, like me. I love scrolls. Yeah, <laughs> I honestly strongly believe there is a design space for a couple of spellcaster archetypes that revolve around gaining some of this equipment out as like quick or you know quick draw type things like you're able to pull a wand as part of a quick draw or a scroll or something to that effect right or even augment the ability of of some items like the um the gloves that have the interdimensional space where you can pull out a wand from as free action things like that yeah make them better almost like the spell trickster archetypes do make like augment spells maybe something that augments magical items would be really neat so third party developers let's <laughs> give me a call let's do this be real cool anyways i inter- i completely interrupted you and you said wrist launcher because i was like i really love the wrist launcher i thought it no, was the really wrist cool, which... cool i mean something to shoot darts because there's a bunch of like non-mundane dart type things that you can use and having a freehand weapon that can shoot a dart is really cool oh yeah you know you can get a poison on it there's a lot of you know really cool things that you can do with this it is a uncommon martial weapon it is a range weapon range 30 feet d4 damage dart group and it is agile concealable and freehand so this definitely to me kind of like runs down the line of an assassin weapon but yes very cool yeah, I mean, it does everything that a um, that a bow would do. So, like, it will do what a bow will do at a lower range. It's but it's still thirty feet, which is good for a dart to begin with. Let's let's remember that that's good for a dart. Um, and you can use this as a thaumaturge if you want a thaumaturge ranged weapon, right? Because it's not a one plus ranged weapon; it's a one handed ranged weapon. So it's a thaumaturge weapon that has ammunition. That's not just a thrown weapon that you could use. So thinking with your noggin there on this one it's it may look like it's kind of weak but it's actually really freaking cool <laughs> you know the magic item section one thing i particularly loved about this with the exception of the blink blade every item in here is less than 10th level and most of them are five or less now they of course have higher level options but this introduces a a whole slew of items that are for beginner characters that you can pick up relatively quickly and i actually i love that because personally i think there is not enough equipment that you know to get out to characters at these lower levels Right. I mean, how many times are you going to thumb through the adventurer's gear mundane crap as a level four or lower character? You know, there's just not a lot of decent stuff down there. And in here, we've got a couple level three plus items that are really cool. Like that any length rope. Yeah. It's a 50 foot length <laughs> of rope that you can cut up into multiple pieces of different lengths. And then with a two action uh, or the two action interact, you can make them all come back together again and there's higher level versions of them that go up to a hundred foot length 
really neat, really useful. Um, if you need to tie up multiple things, you know, you don't need more than 25 feet of rope to tie somebody up. So you could tie two people up with one piece of rope. It's, it's low, lower level. It's not particularly expensive. It's 45 gold. Oh, it's neat. I like it. It's cool. Uh, you have a uh, level three item, the parchment of direct message. Uh, both Trevor and I really like this. It basically comes two sheets of ordinary parchment and you write a message on one. And it basically disappears over the span of a minute, leaving no trace, and then appears on the other linked piece of parchment. They have to be within 10 miles of each other. But other than that, it's super awesome for a lot of applications for characters. And New parchment, who dis? I really love <laughs> uh, things that you can help incorporate into powerful cities that you know, help mitigate the fact of, you know, lack of technology, cell phones, things like that, yet are introducing ways that we can get communication from one side of a city to another in a really cool manner. And this is something that is awesome for that. Like, hey, everyone at the guardhouse, we're looking for this person and they freaking draw a sketch and bam, over to a guardhouse on the other side of the city. And, you know, like the beacons of Gondor, just bam, guardhouse, guardhouse, guardhouse. So this is something you could do to completely mess with the murder hobos that drive DMs crazy that you're just like, yep, nope, this this decent level city, they are all after you. Well, how did they know? I This was like, yeah, they have ways to and do this now. They wouldn't even have to be a decently high level city. It's a level three item. Yeah, it's a level three item. It's... <laughs> GMs, remember, I mean, if you are trying to get into PF2 and you are like, well, I'm looking for something that's lower magic, like a shadow of the demon lord is Pathfinder for me. It's not. Stop trying. <laughs> it's not. Pathfinder is like super duper high magic. Magic is mundane. Your freaking kids, your kid, neighbor's three-year-old kid can cast prestidigitation and clean his, his dirty shorts. I mean, there's everybody's got magic. Stop pretending that it's not there. And this is one more of those things that like really makes uh, drives that home. This is such a mundane thing to solve a very real problem of on the spot communication. That's a low level item that doesn't require arcane uh, means to know how to do. Can you write? Awesome. You can use this. So cool. I also loved the smuggler sack a very simple item it, it appears to be a normal sack that you can hold five bulk in however they come in many different levels but they have a secret compartment that requires a uh 18 perception check i think to even find it yep and when you speak the command word you can open either the normal side or the secret compartment and based on the level it can it level four holds one bulk and then five at level 7, 10 at 11, 13 holds 25 bulk, 50 bulk at level 17. But this is just a really cool concept that you see a regular sack sitting there. It's like, oh, you look in it, it's full. Of, oh, it's just full of random junk. And people are like, oh, OK, whatever. Move along. Like literally every game I have ever run. That's what happens to a a standard container that has, you know, mundane crap that they immediately is not like, oh, well, this is clearly a bag of holding because you open it and you can see that. This is a really cool item, and I love it. <laughs> right, because you have to know the command word, too, to open it. It's not just like you know what this is and you know the command word. It's, 
know, it's cool. It's a smuggler's cache. I mean, it's it's meant to be hidden. I love it. It's neat. Once again, more thematic stuff and a lot of these um a lot of these items and feats and features that are described in this book serve the fantasy of subterfuge um and sneaking or being an underdog and this you know that really speaks to it right there i mean if you're trying to get messages out of the city or smuggling items to somebody in need and there's an embargo or if there's a you know like a a, a siege or something this is all great stuff for for that thematically along those Ryan, uh, along those lines, there's also the Ring of Observation, which is a really neat low-level item. It's a magical ring that if you are being observed, if somebody's watching you intently, like in, in, uh, explicitly watching you, it tells you. Um, and the lesser one is only level three, but if anybody within 30 feet is keeping tabs on you, you know. Um, you go up a level and it's within 60 feet and it can cast invisibility on you and you go even higher and it's within 120 feet and, uh, it can cast a fourth level invisibility on you. So it's one of those, like, once again, a low level item with utility, both for RP and for mechanics that there are better versions of, they're not just going to stick you with the level, you know, 10 version item. And that's the only one that Paizo is going to give you in the book. So we go a little bit farther down in the book, and we got a lot of spells. Back to, there is just a bunch of assorted stuff in here, and all of it serves the theming of the book of, you know, revolution, um, subterfuge, or at the opposite end of the spectrum, like, grand displays, you know, maybe making a diversion. And there's a ton of neat spells that are, are serving that in here. Um, we've got the Blinding Foam which is a caustic foam sprays in the target's eyes. It's a level five spell. If you hit, it does 5d10 acid with 1d6 persistent. And for up to a minute, um, they are blinded unless they spend three actions to remove the foam from them. Uh, it can heighten at level eight, and it does a pretty nasty amount of damage, 9d10 initially, and then 2d6 persistent acid. And acid is a great type because it's not often to be uh, resisted. It's a not a commonly resisted damage type. One of my favorite ones in here that is very much almost a body horror type spell is the Bursting Bloom. It's a level four spell. Uh, has a four I save. I really like that one. That was really they, cool. <laughs> if they, uh, the target takes 66 piercing damage as a rose bush sprouts out of their chest and wraps them up. Um, they do 1d6 persistent damage, does the piercing damage, and they are encumbered, depending on uh, the level of their save. So if they fail the save, they're encumbered for four rounds. Um, and if they crit fail, they're encumbered for a full minute. But it's just really neat and gross. It's very much like a calling card type spell. Like, we found the corpse. It was encased in a rose bush. Who could be doing that? Well, that's the vigilante known as the thorny one. Or something. Flashy disappearance. Back to we have some level early level stuff. Flashy disappearance is a level one spell that makes you disappear in a cloud of smoke. Can't believe we didn't have this before, but you just disappear in a puff of smoke. You become undetected to all creatures unless they can see invisible creatures. And then you stride. 
Uh, at the end of your movement, if you have cover, you can attempt a stealth check to hide with a plus two bonus. Uh, so it's a really good uh, ninja vanish spell. I really like it. I feel like there is a slight miss, you know, misspeak in there because it literally says you become undetected except unless they have C invisibility. That statement means tremor sense doesn't matter. Scent doesn't matter. Life sense doesn't matter. You know, all but, you know, motion sense, all of these things that technically would detect you. I feel based on the word, it was just because of the way they worded it. Well, it's only for one move, so I don't care. But I kind of feel it's one of those things that the person writing it was like, yeah, this makes sense. And then when you look at it, you're like, uh, there's a lot of other uh, detection abilities that that would probably to work. Me, still. <laughs> to me, the idea of this is that it overwhelms whatever senses they have. That's yeah, no, my I, idea. I, I get it. It's. There's some other ones that are definitely there for flavor, like fashionista. Um, You just are now dressed uh, in the most high fashion clothes for the region. I don't know if you've seen them, Christian, but they've got the AI edits of a bunch of movies, and it's like Lord of the Rings Balenciaga edition. That's what this (laughs) makes me think of. (laughs) You do not simply take the Balenciaga into Mordor. You get a status bonus on deception checks as well to make a distraction back to, you know, firebrands are ostentatious as well in order to make a diversion for the people doing the work. So I think that we'll move on to services. We're kind of getting close on our time to be done here, but I'm just going to do a quick overview of services available. And here you can basically it's called Canary Informant. This is the Canary is kind of the name of the organization group of people and you can either gather information per target you can do a tail there are prices associated with this and basically depending on what you're paying for and how long you get bonuses to you know various checks that you would assume that these things would give like you know gather information or abilities to track them depending on what services we're talking about but there are there's guide services which is actually kind of cool because notebooks actually really had that much hiring a guide to help you. Uh, There's item caches, which is actually really cool. You can establish a cache for an item. uh, And just like, I need an item cache here at this stump in the woods. And people will set that up for you. Very cool. Propaganda, we kind of talked about. Same thing, you know, there's based on your success, critical success, you either get this information and the city starts to believe it or it can backfire on a critical failure. Very cool stuff and safe houses and smuggling. So there are a good deal of services and each one of them has you know numerous availabilities listed like under propaganda. You can get from level one to seven from 15 gold to 300 gold safe houses. There's level one, two or three safe houses with DCs to find you and you know, 10, 100 or 1000 gold pieces. There's so much here that you could incorporate into Pretty much almost any game. I don't know that I've run many games where none of these have ever come up. So again, this a very, very cool book to pick up, even if you don't have a ton of interest in the firebrands themselves, because they represent ideals that exist in any campaign, in any game. And there's just a lot of a lot of really cool talent that people created a lot of this stuff and i thoroughly enjoyed it i do want to touch on one final thing 
And it's simply because I think this is the first time in 2E that this specific god has gotten a full-page spread. And it's Nevi Rombadazzle, one of my favorite deities in all of Galarian. Even though I'm not too big in, you know, the chaotic, chaotic, neutral creatures, Nivi Rombadazzle is a sniffer Viflin. Um, their holy symbol is a D6. Uh, they're just all about tr- chance and luck and trickery, and the character design is really cool. They did a fantastic job on the art for this thing. It's one of my favorite deities. I love seeing stuff about them just because they're so weird. Uh, and there's a <laughs> lot of additional stuff on on deities in here that are fan favorites like uh, Milani. There's a full page spread on Milani. We get another full page spread on Caden Kalian, which is you know, always welcome. Everybody likes the uh, the hammered god. Or wait, no, that's not what he's called. But yeah, that's don't ask me. This is all you. <laughs> no, I know, I know. Uh, on top of that are all of the unique NPCs that are either historical or currently living. Like, if you are a Galarian lore buff, this is a fantastic book for you to pick up, especially if you are into the more chaotic or neutral good side of the, you know, the lore and the mythos. Uh, definitely pick it up. It's a good book. I would highly recommend it. But, you know, I, I don't think... There's a single book I haven't highly recommended except for Kingmaker, and that's just because I hate joy. (laughs) (laughs) Well, I think that about wraps us up for this week. I think so, too. So, well, yeah, you um, you you do better on the outro and the intro. I can't do it. I just I can't do it naturally. It's like, well, guys. Yeah, no, looks like it's time for me to go. It's it's the the combination of Midwestern and Southerner in me is I just make all goodbyes awkward. Oh, perfect. <laughs> you can always just do the classic slap your knee and go, well, and then everyone knows it's just time to leave. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Except for that guy that's still well, decaying in the corner. This is true. Well, we did lock the place up. Not entirely his fault. Well, I hope everyone has enjoyed this overview of Firebrands. And I'm Christian. I'm Trevor. And as always, you guys have a great week. Bye, y'all.